the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Living on the Rock Radio with Pastor Israel Labson. Here you will hear teaching that will challenge you to a deeper walk with Jesus. Whatever place you are in your understanding of God's plan for your life, you will grow closer by listening. No shame, no guilt, and no condemnation. But you will be challenged to a closer walk with God. Now here's Pastor Israel with today's teaching. We'll start a two-part series entitled Honoring the Work of the Spirit in Our Life. Uh, As you've known for the last three months, the last quarter, we've been emphasizing um, different things about how to honor God these last, I don't know, eight, eight weeks. That word honor is a big, big, big piece of the Christian life. And so as we, we talk about it, as we preach on, on the areas of our life in which we honor God, I think it'll, it'll be a, a tremendous way for us uh, to be focused and to be uh, reframed in our thinking as to why we're living this Christian life. Uh, the message this morning is, can you tell if you are filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, that's a term that every Christian in every church, that we use that term, filled with the Spirit. What does that mean? And how do you know you're filled with the Holy Spirit? And we're going to talk about that this morning. And please understand that um, we, we often hear terms like this, uh, filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized with the Holy Spirit. And we tend to bring our own understanding and our own meaning uh, to what it really says. But let's, let's allow the Scriptures uh, to teach us this morning by the Holy Spirit, okay? Our text is found in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 18 to 21. Paul writes to the Christians at Ephesus these words, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Now, that's a direct command. Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God, the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. How do you know you're filled with the Holy Spirit? Now, God says... Be filled with the Holy Spirit, and you can know that you are filled with the Spirit. Certainly, God knows if you are filled with the Spirit. But how do you know that you are? How can you be sure? Okay, there's a testimony that God brings in your life, the the knowing that God brings in our life. But it's very important to understand that the infilling of the Holy Spirit is also seen by other Christians. 
That's an important consideration, okay? That's why Christianity is not just an individual enterprise. It's not, we don't become Christians and say, okay, I'm a Christian as, as an individual. That's true. But the Christi- Christianity, the Christian faith is also a communal life. It's a life in community, okay? So I can say to myself, I'm spirit-filled, but if it's not affirmed by the body of Christ, then... You know, there's no way for me to know. And so when I say that, I'm just not saying that as a pitch to to tell you that you are in the right place because you are in the right place. The people around you, those who follow Jesus, know those who follow Jesus. So this is not just an exercise in tradition and ritual. This is not just us coming together because we have some obligation to fulfill to God and to, um, to a church. But this is actually an exercise in letting each other know that we are filled with the Spirit of God. So it becomes very important. It becomes not just a a set of traditions that we do. It becomes an important thing this morning. But don't worry. Uh, This is not a, a heavy message. This is not a complicated message. This is a simple, basic message about being filled with the Holy Spirit. And a lot of people will say, well, Pastor, I already know these things. You've talked, certainly talked enough about all of these uh, things from the Scriptures. And, and, and they tend to become very basic in our minds, and we tend to forget that the deepest teachings in the Scriptures are usually the most basic. I've been told many times, you know, you've got to get more deeper. There's got to be more revelations. There's got to be more uh, things that God wants to say. Jesus never did that. Jesus taught in parables so people can understand things as plainly as possible. Jesus used illustrations about daily life in order to come across to them that that the truths that matter, the deepest truths that we can learn are usually the most fundamental and foundational. So don't switch me off saying, well, Pastor, I've been a Christian for 97 years. I don't need to hear this anymore. No, we need to hear this. Not only to be reminded, not only so that we can, you know, we can, we can be affirmed in our own maturity, but so that we can be stronger even, even as we get older in our Christian faith. Chapter 5 of the letter of Paul to the Ephesians is actually a letter to the church a letter to Christians. So when you read Ephesians in your own time, when you're doing your devotionals, if you, if you try to read Ephesians, uh, please have the mindset that it is speaking to you as a follower of Jesus. Uh, like today, this sermon, uh, you know, maybe you're not a believer in Christ. I want to tell you right now, after the service, if you want to come to faith in Jesus, I can pray for you. Somebody will pray for you. But this worship service this morning is designed for those who follow Jesus. This is for the church. The church is for God's people. But Ephesus was a city uh, that um, was considered a center of cultic religions. Okay? Its main uh, goddess was uh, Venus. Okay? That's the city of Ephesus. It draws thousands and thousands of visitors from all over the place because it is considered a center of spiritual um, pursuit. People who are seeking spiritual truth come to discover the different uh, items, the different uh, elements of, of spirituality. 
Uh, it's known for superstitions. It's known for black magic. It's known for sorcery. It's known for witchcraft. And that attracts people because whether we agree with all of these things, they, uh, they seem to, to meet a spiritual, a deep spiritual need in people. The problem was that even, even though Ephesus was considered a center for spiritual pursuit, the whole city is devoid of truth. Against this backdrop, Paul wrote about the glorious church, the glorious body of Christ. This was Paul's evangelistic mission, to tell them the true gospel, the true spiritual aspect of life. He talks about the glorious church, the body of Christ, which the builder itself is God, and the head of it is Jesus Christ. And this church, this group of people, this is not some kind of philosophy, some kind of tradition, some kind of religion. This church, this ecclesia is driven by the Holy Spirit. This fellowship called the church is driven by the Holy Spirit and it drives unity in its doctrine. It's propelled by love. Propelled by love, superintended by the Spirit in terms of bringing in the truth to people because it is a church that Jesus himself has established. This is a concept that is completely alien to the pagan culture at Ephesus. Now, the letter of Ephesians, and I do this every time we, we go look at the book. There are three major themes in the book of Ephesians, in the letter to the Ephesians, that serve as the foundation for all Christians then and Christians now. So when you read this letter, you need to look for these three major themes in the letter. It's a short letter. It, it's not hard reading, but we need to understand why this letter was written and its main themes, okay? These are the three themes of the letter of Paul to the Ephesian Christians. It, it's applicable then and it's applicable now. Number one, the theme of spiritual blessings, okay? When you read Ephesians, you're going to read about spiritual blessings. What is it about? When, it, when the Bible, when this letter speaks of spiritual blessings, it's talking about our position in Christ. It's not talking about anything else, but the letter will show us that positionally we are already blessed because we are in Christ. So if you're a follower of Jesus this morning and you're wondering, am I blessed or not? Rest that doubt. The Bible says that if you follow Jesus automatically, you've already been blessed in the spiritual realm. You have spiritual blessings. Positionally, you are blessed already. Okay? This has nothing to do with having a lot of money in the bank or having a lot of success in your career. It has nothing to do with, with being liked by people or enjoyed by the world or anything like that. Spiritual blessings mean you were being positioned from death to life. You have been positioned from darkness to light. The second theme of Ephesians is spiritual gifts. So when you read Ephesians, you will discover about spiritual gifts, the Holy Spirit's gifts to those who follow Jesus. Now, what are spiritual gifts for? Okay, spiritual gifts are given by the Spirit in order to prepare us to live for God. So not only are we positionally blessed, we're also spiritually gifted. And the spiritual gift that we have, they're designed to prepare us to live for God. So no Christian, no follower of Jesus could be unprepared to live for God. So you're here this morning and you have been prepared to live for God because that's 
part of the Spirit's work in your life. And thirdly, the theme of spiritual power. So when you read Ephesians, you're going to see this. Spiritual power. What is spiritual power for? Spiritual power is given for the perfection of the Christian, for sanctification. The word perfection, as it's used in the Bible, especially in the New Testament, is a word that also means sanctification or maturity. It has nothing to do with sinless perfection, but it has to do with growing in the knowledge and admonition of the Lord, living our lives so that it's glorifying to God. It's a reflection of who God is. And I take the time to give you a little bit of a background. So, you know, when you read the letter on your own, in your own devotional time, you have some way to anchor all the themes, okay? Now, those three themes are present. Spiritual blessings, spiritual gifts, and spiritual power. They are designed to make us holy, okay? They are designed to get Christians into that position of holiness, being set apart exclusively for the glory of God. And loved ones, that's really at the heart of the work of the Holy Spirit to make us holy. People are afraid of that word. <laughs> because every time you say holy to someone, at least this is true for me, there's that pressure to live up to something in it. Man, I can't be that good. If what he means by holy means I have to be at a place of certain perfection and goodness, then yeah, I failed the test. But, loved ones, listen, holiness is so much different than what we think it is because it's the work of the Holy Spirit. If we get pressured into think that we have to be at a certain place of goodness in our life to be called holy, then we're in trouble because there's a vast difference between goodness and holiness. It's a vast difference. Being good is not the same as being holy, and that's why we get into all kinds of pressure. Okay? There's a difference between the two. Being good, everybody's capable of it, right? Everybody. You talk to an atheist. Some atheists I know better than I am in some areas. <laughs> we all have the capacity to do good. But goodness has nothing to do with our salvation, first of all. The Bible says we're not saved by the good works that we do because there's no one good at all. If we say we're good and we're going to heaven because we're good, you're in trouble because where you measure your goodness. How do you measure your goodness? And you know, It's not us who measure goodness. Okay, it's God that measures goodness. And the Bible already uh, proclaims that. The Bible already teaches that no one is good, no, not one. All have fallen short of the glory of God. So when we talk about goodness, that goodness is based on God's standard of perfection, which none of us can attain to. So goodness is different from holiness. Only those who follow Jesus will be declared holy by the Holy Spirit. And it happens through this thing called being filled with the Holy Spirit. Holiness is about the Spirit's work in the life of the believer so that you don't have this mindset that says, I am good enough to be acceptable to God and I'm good enough to enter heaven because of my own inner innate goodness. Okay? So this now becomes an important thing because the Holy Spirit's work now is to make sure that you know you're holy. God knows if you're holy but now you must know you're holy, and more importantly, other people must know you're holy. There's no such thing as, a, you know, you can't judge me. You don't know what I do day and night. No, it's not about judging. 
It's about confirming. It's about affirming that the Spirit of God is at work in us. And how else do we know that God is at work, the Spirit is at work, that we are filled with the Spirit? That has to come from the body of Christ. Not, not just from God. Not just from yourself. But from other people who, call, who follows the Lord. This holiness thing is understood only by those who follow Jesus. This is the foundation that makes the church so powerful. If you want to know how powerful the body of Christ is, it's found in its holiness. It's not found in anything else. How the Spirit's work is seen is found in this area of holiness. It's foundational. The church that it produces makes the church powerful. How do we know that a church is truly powerful and that the Spirit of God is at work in this church. Well, there are several things that the church has to be known for, right? There's several things. Church is powerful because of its prayer life. The church is powerful as it's seen in its praise life. The church is powerful as it's seen in the proclamation of the Word of God. And it's also seen in the participation of everyone in God's kingdom. So those are the things that make churches powerful, that makes a church powerful. It's characterized by prayer, praise, the proclamation of the word, and the participation of the people into God's kingdom plan. So we need to see this in one another before it can be seen in the world. The church is one body with many parts. That means the church is made up of individual believers who possess these marks and collectively they represent Jesus to the world and they are empowered by the Holy Spirit in their own lives and in the life of the collective church. It's the power of the Spirit that drives the church, that gives it power. So if we are filled with the Spirit, guess what? Our personal prayer lives will manifest itself. And our prayer lives then, you know, will be utilized greatly in the context of community. That's why I ask people, to, why don't you pray for one another? Why don't we pray? If, the, if, if a person, if a Christian is filled with the Holy Spirit, then there's praise that comes out of the mouth, right? That's why we encourage you to praise God here. Well, you know, that's, 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 that's kind of a little, you know, you, you got too emotional about that thing. Why do you always say praise the Lord? Well, I say I praise God audibly, because there's, there's two things that I want to prevent. Number one, I want to hear myself, okay, praising God. I want to hear myself praising God. Not because my voice is wonderful. No, no. <laughs> Secondly, so that I will hear God's praises rather than my bad thoughts. You know, if I, if I shut my mouth, believe me, my mind works. And, and you know, even right now, you, you know, I'm preaching. You know, many of you, your, your mind is somewhere else. I can tell, you know. But we audibly praise God here. We say hallelujah. We say praise the Lord. We say amen. We, you know, that's not a ritual. That's not some kind of an emotional, you know, drive that, you know, I want the devil to hear that I'm praising God. Because he's trying to steal from me. He's trying to kill me. He's trying to destroy everything that I have. And the only weapon I have is the spirit within me that utters the word, Jesus is Lord. And he hears that, he trembles. He hears that, he flees. What's your weapon against the devil? Your charm? Charm the devil. Let's see where it gets you. Only the name of Jesus can drive him away. The power of the Spirit in our life, the Spirit-filled life, is seen in the way we proclaim our testimony to people. Isn't it? 
You have a testimony if you're a follower of Jesus. You have something to say about the goodness of God. Do people hear the goodness of God in your life? Uh, have, have you told anybody about the goodness of God? Do, do you proclaim how good God has been? We just sang a whole song. We just danced to that song. How good it is to give thanks unto the Lord. That has to be true when we come to church and sing that. That has to be true. That cannot be a lie. That cannot be a hypocritical stance. You could never ever say, and I'll explain this in the points of the sermon, you can never ever say that I don't want to be a hypocrite pastor. I can't praise God when all of these things is happening in my, all these things are happening in my life. I don't, I don't, I don't feel like I need to praise God. No, that's when you praise God. That's when you proclaim the goodness of God. That's when you defeat the, the bad things and proclaim the goodness of God in your life. And, of course, you participate in God's kingdom program, okay? That means we become the fulfillment of God's holy counsel in his word. So Ephesians 5, 18 to 21, we are given the command to be filled with the Spirit. And the marks of the Spirit-filled life or the Spirit-driven life must be seen in each and every person. When you and I come to faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit begins to dwell in us. There's no doubt about that. In our life, individual life, person's life, he enters our life. Then he baptizes us with power to live the Christian life. As we continue to recognize that the Spirit has, has entered us and have we, we have yielded to his leading, then we now continually pursue being filled with the Holy Spirit so that we can walk the straight and narrow road that Jesus says we ought to walk in. So two questions we're going to answer this morning. What does it mean to be filled with the Spirit and how do we know we are filled with the Spirit? Two very important questions. It doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian and it doesn't matter how young of a Christian you are. This is not one of those negotiable things that Christians say, I don't have to be filled with the Spirit. I just want to go to heaven when I die. That's foolish. No, we need to know this, okay? Those two questions. Some connect uh, spirit, being filled with the Spirit, Holy Spirit as some kind of an emotional experience, you know? There's so, many mis so much misunderstanding about being filled with the Holy Spirit. You talk to some Christians and they will tell you, I know I'm filled with the Holy Spirit because I get emotional when I hear uh, Janine sing that song. And I get to cry. There's nothing wrong with being moved emotionally, Okay? There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, songs are designed to move us, move our emotions so that we can honor God and glorify God. There's nothing wrong with that. The problem is that's not a sign that you're filled with the Holy Spirit because guess what? I could listen to Frank Sinatra and be moved as well. So we got to be careful. You know, sometimes we think, oh, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit because it's just touching me with a, with a sermon or touching me with, with a song and all of that. Some say, well, I know I'm filled with the Holy Spirit because I have this supernatural boldness to stand for God. There's nothing wrong with that. We ought, we ought to do that. And I think that's, a, that's a, a product of our conviction, and it's wonderful. And The Spirit does give us convictions, and He does give us the boldness to do it. But that's, that's not a sign that you're filled with the Holy Spirit because other people who believe the opposite also can stand in their conviction with much more power and much more um, conviction than some of us. And then there were some of those who say, well, you know, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit because everything I do, uh, God gives me signs and wonders. 
You know, I've just seen all of these signs and wonders that God has promised. Okay, I mean, there's nothing wrong with praying for signs and wonders and asking the Holy Spirit to perform miracles and things like that. And we, we as Christians, we know that God is God. He can do anything. We, we're not denying the power of, of, of supernatural manifestations. We're not denying the power of miracles, but they're not, sign. they're not the sign that we are filled with the Holy Spirit. They're simply not. And why is that? Because that could be duplicated by those who are not followers of Jesus or those who are minimal Christians. That can be duplicated. That, you can do these things in the flesh, perhaps, and some, you know, do certain things that can have outside manifestations. All right? This could be seen on the outside, in other words. How, 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 what we think about being filled with the Holy Spirit, we always connect it to what's evident on the outside. And all of those, although those things are true, to be filled with the Holy Spirit is an inside job. It's what God is doing in the inside of every person. It's more important to see what God is doing on the inside than the manifestation that shows up on the outside because a lot of those manifestations can be duplicated even by those who don't call themselves followers of Jesus. So there are very distinct marks in our own inner life that separates us from all the other things that happens, all the other manifestations, so to speak, that happens to other people. So, you may, you may think that you're spirit-filled, but you need to know those marks. I need to know those marks in an every, uh, on a daily basis. That's why God established the church, so we can have the affirmation that we are filled with the Spirit. You've been listening to Living on the Rock Radio with Pastor Israel Labson, a ministry of Living Rock Christian Church in Sunnyvale, California. If you have been helped by this radio program and would like to keep it on the air, your continued prayerful and financial support is greatly appreciated. Please visit livingontherockradio.com where all your tax-deductible gifts will go directly to the radio ministry. That's livingontherockradio.com. Living Rock is a church that doesn't care how you are dressed or what candidate you voted for. A church made up of imperfect people from all walks of life with a hunger and thirst to understand God's plan for our lives. No matter what you've been through or what questions you may have about God and faith, you will find love, grace, and hope at Living Rock Christian Church, 675 East Taylor Avenue in Sunnyvale, with Sunday worship starting at 1030 a.m. More information at livingontherockradio.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.